Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives multiplied after the flood, and many generations later, God appeared to Abram, a descendant of Shem. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will best bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took his wife, Sarai, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, traveling to Egypt and Negev and as far as Bethel once again. And he became very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. Abram and Lot's possessions became so great that they could not dwell together, for the land could not support both of them. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. So Lot journeyed east towards the Jordan Valley, and Abram settled in the land of Canaan. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are even able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Well, if you're new to Journey, we've been in a series called In the Beginning. And it's a series in reference to the book of Genesis. Um, And it's interesting to me because we've looked at the book of Genesis for two weeks now. And, and I said it the very first week, I said it last week, there is no way in the world that we could cover everything in the book of Genesis in 30 or 35 minutes on a Sunday morning. And I've been getting so many messages, text messages and emails like, thank you for teaching us, thank you for talking to us about digging into what's most important. And I'm going to encourage you to do that again. But before we dive into this week, you've already kind of the cat's out of the bag. We're going to be talking about Abram and the stars of heaven, the, 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 the dream that he had. But we want to welcome today, it's an interesting day, we've had a great, exciting week around this place As a matter of fact, one of the things that's so cool that's happened, many of you know that we have a Sherwood campus down in the south side. Our our worship pastors, Whitney and Greg Manns, had another child this past week on Thursday. I think it was Thursday. They had Fletcher, so they've added Fletcher to the family. So I want you to give them a big round of applause. 
And if you're at our Sherwood campus, that's why Greg and Whitney aren't there, and that's why you're with us all day at worship. It's going to be an exciting day. So they already have a child named Georgia. Georgia is a, I'm talking, a spitfire. She's amazing. So just be praying for them, right? Two kids now. So, um, But yeah, we're, we're in this series. And the first couple of weeks, or first week, we uh, actually, first couple of weeks, we have literally read through Genesis 1 all the way to 11. We've looked at the story of uh, Abraham, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Adam and Eve, and we've looked at the story of Noah. Uh, this week, we're going to start, it's actually kind of part two of Genesis, or chapter two, if you want to kind of separate the book into two big chapters, and we're going to start in about verse, uh, about chapter 12, and we're going to be talking about the story of Abram. And so Abram was 75 years old when he got a dream from God, and that's when, uh, as, as Caleb was just reading, he said, look at the stars of heaven. Let's read that again. It says in uh, chapter 12, verse 2, and I will make you a great nation, and will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I, I will bless those who bless you, and whom who dishonors you, I will curse, and, 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 and in, your, uh, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Lot was his nephew, and as his Abram was was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, I just want you to kind of put this into perspective and think about this for a second. Could you imagine God coming to any of you at 75 years old and telling, him, uh, telling you that you're going to have a child? Anybody? I can't even fathom that. So I'm thinking about not only that, but, but Abram wasn't like, because we've been talking about this over and over again, Abram wasn't like, the, like, the, the, like the, the, the epitome of what you think God would use. As a matter of fact, he was a nomad. He was a person that would travel from area to area to area, never setting any roots or ever having like any real place to call home. And so I was even thinking, like, could you imagine, like, hey, Bobby, you're going to, like, I'm 55 years old. Like, could you imagine 20? I can barely handle a puppy right now. How am I going to handle a child, right? So it's one of those deals where, so just think through that promise. And another thing we learned real quick in this story, and we've been talking about this, and it's amazing to me, because so many people have a misconception of the Bible and think it's just stories of great people that make great decisions. But this is another one of those stories that it's about a guy that made some really bad decisions. As a matter of fact, this decision right here, maybe you've read about it, but, it, uh, but, but it, in verse 11 of chapter 12, he says, when he was about to enter Egypt, so he's about to go to Egypt, he said to Sarah, his wife, I know that you're a woman beautiful in appearance. Hey, by the way, men, that's a good thing to say to your spouse, okay? Like, you are beautiful, you're hottie, whatever you want to say, okay? But in verse 12, it says, and when the Egyptians see that they say that this is, this is his wife, They'll want to kill me, but, but, but they'll, they'll let you live. And he says, so, so tell them that you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for you. He's asking his wife to lie. You're beautiful, babe. Now go tell everybody you're my sister. Like that flies for about 30 seconds in my house. How about anybody else's house? So here's another one of those moments, like we, we talk about how, how, how Adam and Eve made this huge error, and this is only one of many. As a matter of fact, this same kind of conniving attitude is something we're going to see again. And as a matter of fact, if you study the lineage of Abram, we're going to see it all through his lineage. There's a lineage of deception. There's a lineage of people trying to trick his sons, his, his, his son's sons actually do it. And, and one would think, honestly, because remember, we're kind of reading this in sequence, that if, if Abram was to lie to Pharaoh, and actually that's what happened, and Pharaoh took, took Sarai into the house, that somehow or another God would relinquish his promise. Wouldn't you think that? Wouldn't you think 
that because of lying or because of a, a major mistake, a major error, that God would relinquish the promises that he made. Hey, yeah, I made you a promise that at 75, but now, now all bets are off. It's, it was contingent on making no. But in fact, in, in, in essence, what happens is he actually does just the opposite. So what is it about? Remember, we've been looking at these personalities. What is it about Abram that, that made him uh, and put him in a position that God wanted to use him over and over again, even in the midst of the mistakes, even in the midst of the problems? And I think it's this. I think Abram had rhythm. I think Abraham had patterns in his life. I think he had tempo that even when he made a mistake, he got back on track. You guys know what pattern and tempo and rhythm are? Anybody know? Raise your hand real high if you know what that is. I'll explain it to you. So this may be hard for you to believe or hard for you to fathom, but I used to be a musician. Not a very good musician, but I was a musician. I played drums. And, and, and years ago, I played with a band, and we actually went to the studio to put out a worship album. And so they told me that, that you're going to play drums in a studio. So they had a drum set like this and had a cage around it and had all these mics dropped. This is, you know, 20-something years ago. This is long before. Well, they have this thing called a click track. So I don't know if you've ever noticed that the, the people on stage, we think they're that great and their timing is phenomenal, but it's really, they're cheating. They have, they have this thing in their ear that goes click, 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 so they know the tempo, right? And then they also have background tracks and they actually have a voice speaking to them in their ear that says, verse 1, verse 2. Now, I have voices that speak to me, <laughs> but none of them are saying voice 1, you know, you know, you know go to 1. Go to... So they have all these, this written, well, I get in there, and I'm trying to play the drums. I'm a fair drummer. I'm not a great drummer. I'm a fair drummer. And so this is way before music is so complicated now, and there's so many different rhythms and patterns now. But so basically back then it was a 2-4. You know, you want to do it? No, I'm not going to do it. So, so back then it was very basic. Right? So that was a rhythm. That's all I had, y'all. That's why Bon Jovi never asked me to play with them. So, oh, he's going to need these in a minute. So, so they, said, they said, well, I have this click track in my ear, and I can't, it's not working, right? And I said, I said hey, man, excuse me, Mr. Sound Engineer, there's something wrong with your machine because it's not picking up what I'm playing. It's not playing the same tempo. And he said, and I quote, there is nothing that could be playing exactly what you're playing right now. And I'm like, that's not even funny. But it's a rhythm. And once you get into a rhythm, Things in life are easy. How many people love watching football? Like, I love watching football. So I'm not a big Falcons fan or a, a big New Orleans, but remember a couple years ago when the, when, when the Falcons were, like, up in the Super Bowl by, like, I don't know, eight touchdowns? Like, remember that? And then all of a sudden, the next half came, and the goat came out, right? The goat all of a sudden showed up. He was like, okay, I'm done playing with y'all kids. Y'all, you know, like, let's go. And, and, he, and he walked the dog on him, right? Like, and all of a sudden, like, Matty Ryan was like, oh, oh. <laughs> well, I remember the commentator saying something. You know what he said? He said, they've gotten into the rhythm. They've gotten into a pattern. Now, all of a sudden, they're able to play. Uh, 2006. Anybody remember the Georgia Bulldog-West Virginia game in 2006? I remember it because I was there. It was the year Katrina came through, and they moved the Sugar Bowl to the, uh, the Georgia Dome. And we were playing West Virginia. We were favored. We were number seven in the nation playing number 14. They walked the dog on us. 
So the next year, I get to go, which now is the, it's the Peach Bowl, but it was the Chick-fil-A Bowl at that, at that time. So we're playing Virginia Tech, and I'm sitting in the stands. My brother got some tickets. I'm sitting in the stands. I'm right there. We're about 15 rows up. We have the Virginia Tech band right here. All of a sudden, at halftime, we're favored to win by touchdown, by touchdown, by touchdown, right? They're up 21 to 3. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Virginia Tech. Every time they score a touchdown, they play a stupid song called the Hokey Pokey. <laughs> I don't like it because I heard it three times in the first half, and I'm going, hokey pokey, I'll show that up, hokey pokey. So the second half, all of a sudden, University of Georgia comes on the field. Matthew Stafford's our quarterback. I think Massaquah is one of our wide receivers. In the very first play, he throws a ball to Massaquan, and he runs like 58 yards. All of a sudden, the next play, we stop him three and out, and then we score another touchdown. I think this, the final score was 34 to 24 or something, or 38 to 24 or something like that. And I remember the commentator saying, I had a little earbud in, they developed their rhythm. They developed, they that's exactly what Abram had in his life. He had some rhythms. Even when he got off kilter, even when he went, went, went south a little bit, and I can hear somebody, okay, so how do I get rhythm? Anybody ever been to a rock concert before? Anybody? Don't lie. You guys are journey. Like, I saw you at some. You know what the drummer does when it's time to start a song? One, two, three. Don't you can't, right? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to go one, two, three. We're going to look at three rhythms today that we can put in our life. And I'm telling you, some of you are freaking out going, we haven't done worship yet. <laughs> Did it on purpose to mess you up. Because I want to tell you about the third rhythm, which is probably the most important rhythm, but I can't tell you about those two, that one, until I tell you the first two. Here's the first one. I believe the first rhythm that Abraham had in his life was belief. He believed God. Even in the good stuff, even in the bad stuff, even when he failed, even when he was doing good things, he believed God. He believed God had a plan for him. He believed when God took him outside and told him to look at the stars that God was, in fact, going to fulfill that dream. He was going to do exactly what he said. In verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? I continue childless. And the heir of my house, uh, Eleazar, is of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring. Could, like, doesn't that sound a little bit like us? Like you made a promise, but you haven't given me the tools. Like you've given me a promise. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a relationship one day with somebody, but you haven't even brought that, that, that girlfriend yet or that boyfriend. Or you told me I'm going to have a great job, and I've barely finished doing what I need to do right here. So he's saying, listen, you have given me no, no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. The man shall not be your heir. Your, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, look toward the heaven and, and number the stars. And if you're able to number them, then he said, so shall be your offspring. And verse 6 is pivotal. And he believed the Lord. He believed the Lord. He believed everything the Lord said and he counted to him as righteous. He believed God. Now I'm going to throw a little caveat most of the time. Because as we'll see next week, after a period of time, he didn't believe God anymore, so he tried to do it, on his, don't do it on his own. So he tried to have a relationship with one of the servants of his wife, Sarai. Her name was Hagar. They ended up having a son named Ishmael. And if you know your history, the lineage of Ishmael goes right through. So you have Israel, right? 
God's chosen people, Israel, and the lineage of Ishmael goes through Iran and Iraq. And that's why there's been turmoil with those two areas, those countries, for years and years and years because Abraham, it's Abraham's fault. Abraham tried to do it on his own. He didn't wait for God's design plan, and he went and had an Ishmael. And so all through life, we see these mistakes. So he tried to obey most of the time, okay? He didn't always do it. There was a couple times that he was a coward. Uh, there was two times I know that Scripture tells us that he actually tried to pawn his wife off. We read one. There's another one. We tried to pawn his wife off as something other than his wife because he was scared what may happen. Now, here's the deal. But it says he was made right by his belief. He was made right because he believed God was going to, in fact, do everything he said he was going to do. It, it's interesting to me. Anybody had a chance to read through the Bible? Like, you're just reading through the Bible. Have you ever noticed, because I always read the Bible. I've been been a believer for about 30 years. I've always read the Bible, and I thought it was, a, I thought it was a story, stories about superheroes. Like, you ever get that impression sometimes? Like, Peter walked on water, superhero. He had a cape, and he had a big P on his chest, right? Well, you read through the Bible. You know what I'm finding out? There's not a lot of superheroes in the Bible. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of super mess-ups in the Bible. And over and over again, and what we see in this is one key pattern that we can have just like Abram. Honestly, just like everybody's ever fallen in the Bible, one pattern is to continue to believe. Continue to believe that God's going to do something extravagant in our lives. Now, here's the deal. Uh, like, what does that look like for us? Well, we also have to believe. And, and our, our, we're made righteous. That's a, a cool word. We're made right with God by our belief. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no man can boast. You're made right because of a gift that God has given us, his son Jesus Christ, right? Because you know why? We couldn't save ourselves. There's nothing we could do. There's nothing you can do that can make you right with God. As cool as you think you are, you're not that cool. You know what's really interesting to me? In our country, in our, country, in our world, we understand justice. If somebody does something wrong, what do we claim? We need justice. We've been seeing it for, honestly, for years with the whole racial injustice stuff. Whenever we see something that happens with, you know, and I'm not saying anything, like, it's not, this is not a political statement, like, but, like, we see something that happens on TV and we see a senseless murder or a shooting or whatever. We, we naturally, we naturally stand up and go, we, we want justice. Like, we want just, we want, we want, that needs to be made right. When I ride downtown and I, I go by Sacred Heart and there's a, a bridge across the street with an overpass and I see the people that are sitting underneath there when it's cold. I had to go to the hospital the other day. It was like 29 degrees. And I'm, I'm like, come on, guys. We got to do something. I shared with somebody in our church um, about a year and a half ago that I've been praying for the last five years that God gives us a parking deck, that God would give us a parking deck. I want a parking deck downtown. So if you guys know anybody that owns a parking deck that doesn't want it anymore, they can give it to us. And what I want to do is I want to turn it into a homeless shelter. I want to turn a parking deck downtown where these people can come in. And we, we, serve, we, we go downtown. We have teams from Journey that go down there and take care of homeless people. I'm not saying we have to do it on our own because it's not about us. But, man, what would happen if God, God laid in our lap a parking deck down there where we can actually, because we want justice. We want justice. Let, let me let you in a secret. God does too. Because of Adam and Eve, we've sinned and spiraled out of control. And God wanted justice. But none of us could do it. We're not good enough. So he had to send Jesus Christ, his sinless son, to die a horrific death on the cross. I mean, he was beaten beyond even being able 
to realize who he is. God wanted justice, and he gave it to us through his son, Jesus. So just like Abram believed, that's how we're made right when we believe, not just in the promises, but we believe in and Jesus is, in fact, who he said he was. You want your life to be filled with blessings? I know I do. Anybody? I want my life to be filled with blessings. Keep believing. Believe that he loves you. Believe that his promises are true. Believe, believing that he wants to continue to use us. I love Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, and without faith, that's exactly what Abraham, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he, he rewards those, and I love that, who seek him. So the first rhythm is belief. The second one is a word called perseverance. And all of us in this room need to figure this one out. I feel like so many of us, and I, and I, I used to say this all the time, we live in a culture of quitters. It's easier to quit than persevere. And we, we literally live in a cancel society right now. We just cancel everything, don't we? It's amazing to me. We, we sit down in staff meetings and go, okay, we have to do our best not to cancel anything else. Because, because we live in a cancel society, and we just cancel everything. We cancel this because of this. We've got to stop doing that. Now, I'm going to ask a question, big question, right? How many people would say they're willing to wait for God's promises? Raise your hand up. Be honest with me. Three people. Everybody else wants them right now. Right? How many people would be willing to wait 25 years for God's promises? Yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot less. That's how long, that's how long Abram had to wait. 25 years before the promise came true. Anybody watch the TV show Gold Rush? It's, nobody, a couple of us watch it. It's, 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 it's really cool. So they, they were sharing a story about a guy named R.U. Darby. And R.U. Darby was a, a gold miner, and it was in Colorado. And he had bought all this equipment, hundreds of thousands of dollars of equipment. And he became a millionaire pretty quick because he found this one vein that was kind of a vein of gold that nobody else could find. But, but, but all of a sudden, it dried up. All of a sudden, that vein of gold wasn't there anymore. He said, but he, but he saw it on the map, and the map kind of drew this vein. And it was like, he was, he was, he was, it just seemed like, but he must have dried, it just must have dried out. So he sold all his stuff to a junk man. And so this junk man, years later, he's looking at all these maps, and he's looking where all the things, and he realized in calculating, he had an engineer help him, that these people were literally just a couple, a couple feet off. So they went back out there, and they started digging for gold. They were, in fact, less than three feet from the most wealthy vein of gold that's ever been in the course of history. Millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars were literally three feet from this Darby guy. Could you imagine that? And you say, no, I could never imagine. I would never quit, liar. Because I believe that some of us are literally feet away from gold that God wants to give us. He wants to give us blessings. He wants to give us the promises. He's got the best relationships for us. He's got the best job. But we're three feet from it, and so many times we give up on God's blessings. Hebrews chapter 12, there's a whole series in the summer we're doing off this passage of Scripture. So I don't want to go too deep into it, but it says in verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely. Watch this. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I wrote this down the other day. You can't win a race at the blocks. Did you ever see track people? They get into a block. You can't win the race right there. It's 100 yards, it's 400 meters, it's whatever. But you can sure lose it right there. 
It's important how we start. It's important how we finish. It's important that we keep enduring what God has for us. Abraham experienced God's blessing in his life because he didn't give up. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to shut your eyes for a second. I promise I'm not going to throw anything at you. Okay? Shut your eyes for a second. And I want you to think about the stars in the sky. And I want you to think specifically about the, the promises that God's made you. Maybe it's the promise of a relationship. Maybe it's a promise of a job. Maybe it's a promise of kids that you still haven't had. Maybe it's a promise of your kids coming back to faith. Whatever that promise. Think of it. And the, there's all these. He's looking up at heaven and God's saying, the blessings that I have for you are as countless, are as numerous. Every star represents peace. Every star represents joy. Every star it represents power and prosperity and meaning and purpose. And these are all his promises. Not just for Abram, they're your promises. Open your eyes back up. Don't show your hands, but how many people, how many people have already quit on those promises? You're three feet from them, probably. See, in our American culture, we want it right now. I want it right now. I want, I want your promise right now, God. I'm going to take that, that God credit card, and I'm going to slide it through that machine, and I want you to give me everything I deserve. How about if he tells you to wait 25 years? Are you still willing to do it? Perseverance. Galatians, we read last week. I love this. It's turned out to be one of my favorite passages. It says this, and let us not grow weary of doing Good, for in due season, we will reap. We will reap if we do not give up. Two rhythms. First one was what? Belief. Second one is perseverance. The third one is worship. It's worship. And it's not what you think it is. It's not just singing a couple songs. I love what he says in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give the land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the, on the east. And, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Can I stop right there? This is really important. Bethel was the place of peace. Ai was the place of the world. And right in the middle of it is where he pitched his tent. That's where he built his altar. Right in the middle of the world and right in the middle of peace, God's, God's provisions and God's promises. How, how many times in our lives we wait to come here to have worship when God says, I want you somewhere between here and the world. That's where I want you to worship. That's where I want you to do what God's called you. That's where I want you to you know, have peace. Uh, Genesis chapter 13, verse 3. And he journeyed on from um, Hephzibah, as far as you got the word right. He did a great job reading today, didn't he? It says, Bethel, to the place where his tent had been, at the beginning of Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made the altar first. And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. And it says this, after Lot left him, and they separated with just a, just a horrible situation. It says, so Abraham moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are, which are, which are Hebron. And there at the, uh, 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 he built an altar to the Lord. See, Abraham took an opportunity at every place, every moment, every step to make sure that worship was a vital part of his life. What was the first thing? If you were here last week, what was the first thing Noah did when he got off the, off the boat? Y'all remember? He built an altar. As soon as he got off the boat, he built an altar and he started worshiping. Now, here's, here's a struggle I have. How, how do we do this in a modern culture? And I think it's this. Worship is about recognizing God's presence in our life. It's about recognizing God's, it, 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 and honoring his presence. 
It's about celebrating. I want you to write this down. And I think this is such a true statement today. We need to acknowledge at every turn his existence in the universe. Right? Right? That's pretty easy. And his handiwork in his life. Our need for him and our gratitude for him. And all he's done for us. I love the way Deuteronomy says it. Deuteronomy says it like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. What is worship? I'm, I'm afraid, honestly, that we've made worship out to be something that it's never designed to be. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, a real good friend of mine, and she's a worship leader in another city. And she knew that I was doing this message, and I said, I need, I need some help as a worship leader. I didn't want to necessarily ask Justin because I, I know their heart around here. But she's at a, a real progressive contemporary church. And I said, I said to her, I said, can you t- just can you define, and think about this for you, can you answer this question? What constitutes a good worship service? What's a good worship service look like? This is what she said. And listen, I know her heart. She's an amazing worship leader. But she said, she said, I gauge it by if I feel good. If I feel good. See, we've made worship in the church, in the modern church, we've made it about everything but what it's really designed to be. We've made it about lights and we've made it about smoke machines and we've made it about graphics and we've made it about cool people that get up on stage and great instruments and how cool we can be with our wording of our songs and how poetic we can be. We've made it about us. We've made it about felt needs. We've made it about making sure we've reached a target art. We made it about excellence. I actually saw this past week and I just scratched my head. A church had bought a new set of lights for their stage. And everybody was talking about how cool the lights. They couldn't wait. And one guy said, man, I can't wait to see how cool those lights look on Sunday. Now, I'm not gauging their heart because I don't know who it was. I was just, but that's what we made it about. And you know what we made worship about? What I get out of it. I've shared story after story about how people have walked up Two different people hear the same message and one goes, that was the most amazing message I've ever heard and the other one goes, that sucked, Bobby. I've heard the same thing about worship. I didn't get anything out of worship. Let me let you in on a secret if I can just tell you this without you getting all hurt. It was never designed for you to get anything out of worship because it wasn't designed for you anyway. See, worship was designed and I love the way Max Lucado says it. He said, worship is about making a big deal out of God. It's not, a make, it's not a making a big deal out of you. It's not about your personal style. It's not about you getting something out of it. I've shared this before. Maybe a better litmus test of whether worship was good, instead of going, I didn't get anything out of it, or what did I get out of it, that maybe, maybe we do this today. Maybe when you walk out of this place and you get in your car, or maybe when you're sitting at the restaurant, or maybe when you're home in the quiet Maybe instead of saying, I didn't get much out of this today, maybe you say, God, did you get anything out of today? Like, did you get anything out of my worship today? I was a little distracted. I had, a, I had some struggles going on. I, I don't think I gave you my very best. God, did you get anything out of my worship today? 
And I don't think God's calling us in this culture in 2021 to build altars everywhere we go, but maybe the altar that he wants is the altar of our heart. Maybe it's the altar of our mind. When he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, maybe he wants this to be the altar. Maybe, maybe the way I conduct myself on Monday is the altar. Maybe the way I do, do my worship on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. And I've said this before, if you're only getting an hour and five minutes, you're an anorexic spiritually. Like you're not getting what God wants out of you. You're not getting what God wants for you if it's only an hour and five minutes on Sunday mornings. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stand up with me. And I want you to shut your eyes again. Okay? And we're going to be led in a moment of worship here. This is only part of it. This was not designed, just by the way, this was not designed for you to get the feel-goods right now. This was designed for us to make a big deal out of God, to tell him who he is, to tell him how big he is. But I want you to shut your eyes for a second because I want you to go back to what I asked you a minute ago about the stars. See, he was laying, Abram was laying his dream down. All those things, every one of those stars represented a dream. Every one of them went through his son Isaac, which he still hadn't had until 25 years later. But he was telling God how good he was anyway. In the midst, even when it didn't happen yet, he was telling him how good he was. In the good, he was telling him how good. In the bad, he was telling him how good he was. Now, those stars that you're thinking about in the sky, in your mind's eye, are dreams and goals and things that God's told you, promises that he's made. Do you, have, do you have belief, first of all? Do you have the rhythm of belief in your life that those can happen, those will happen? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ that he'll make those things happen? Are you willing to persevere? Are you willing, are you willing to not quit three feet from the dream that God has? Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.